Welcome to Profit and Prosper, a podcast for entrepreneurs who are ready to make some money while doing what they love. On this podcast, we're going to pull back the curtain and talk about all things business and money, but I promise you this is not your typical boring numbers talk. I'm your host, Sarah Young, a CPA and CFO with over a decade of experience in finance, business, and leadership. I'm going to share everything I've learned from helping my clients grow more profitable businesses and keep more of what they earn while growing my own successful business along the way. You'll feel empowered and confident that you too can grow your wealth, live a rich life, and have an impact. Stick with me and you might even start to think that finance is fun. Let's dive in. Welcome back, y'all. I am here this week with another really good interview for you, if I do say so myself. I'm here this week interviewing Danielle Jefferson of Jefferson James Consulting. Danielle is a business operations coach and consultant, and she helps thriving businesses get to the next level by optimizing how they run their back-end processes and operations. Honestly, Danielle is was one of my first friends that I made in business back when I went full-time in uh, mid to late 2020. So I've known her for almost two years now, and she has been a client of mine, is a client of mine. I have been a client of hers, and I just love how she takes a lot of the same principles that I talk about on the podcast and with my clients and applies it to your operations And I think she is a really great resource to help you streamline your business, to help you, you know, do more of what you love to do and make it easier for you to run a profitable business. So in this episode, we will talk about how Danielle structured her business to be low stress, to allow her to work part time, but still pay herself regularly. She still has a super profitable business. And I say this because she is one of my concierge tax clients, and so I see her financials. She is super profitable while being a solopreneur, while working part-time. We'll talk about how your mindset and your boundaries are going to impact your operations and your sales and your offers and everything you do in your business. We'll talk about how you know it's time to invest and how Danielle's low expense business helps her keep her stress levels low. We'll talk about what your needle movers are when it comes to streamlining and systematizing and growing your business and why you need to track the money you have coming in and how you can plan out your capacity to make more sales. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I cannot wait to hear about what you take from it. Um, If you enjoy it, I encourage you to share it with a business bestie of yours, Um, share it with other people who, you know, also need to hear the stuff that we're talking about. I think everybody will benefit from Danielle's knowledge. Welcome back, y'all. I'm excited for this conversation because I have Danielle Jefferson, who is one of my business besties, friends, um, and I have been a client of hers. She is a client of mine. And I, you know, we tend to talk about the same things all the time. Like we are almost like two sides of the same coin, I guess you could say, like we always have the same opinions on things, which, you know, I think is 
nice to find when we're talking about how to structure like the finance and operations of a business. So anyways, Danielle, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Out of all of the businesses I've seen, I feel like you, because I, I see behind the scenes, like you are a tax client of mine. And so of course, like I know what goes on in your business, but out of all the businesses I've seen, I feel like you have one of the best like stress to dollar ratios. And I actually saw this on a post. I think it was yesterday. One of my like former business coaches, Rachel Cook, who people have heard me probably talk about before, she posted about the stress to dollar ratio with your offers. And I thought this was really timely because I'm talking to you today. And I'm like, that's a perfect way to describe what you have. I think that you have one of the lowest stress to dollar ratios at least from an outsider perspective, I guess not a full outsider, but like sort of outsider, like a third party perspective. And I thought it would be really interesting to talk about like how you have structured that in your business so that other people can learn from you. And I think this is like, in addition to what you tell people to do all the time, like how does that apply to your business and how have you gotten to where you are now? So to start off with, I think, tell me about how you started your business, what you do, how you work with clients, um, and how you got to where you are today. First of all, none of this is by accident, totally by design, (laughs) as I love a a low stress to dollar ratio, high dollar ratio. Uh, So I started my business and what I set out to do was really help other business owners with their operations, with how they're running their businesses, how they're managing their day-to-day, whether uh, it's someone who is just doing it by themselves or someone who has a team. I have a background in operations. I have a background in process. And so my brain just works in a way that I can kind of help clear all of the mess and find the easiest solution and help you move forward with that. And then also execute. Um, A lot of people don't know how to execute well. And so I also have a background in Uh, project management so I can help people like, you know, execute clearly and see what their next steps are. So the way I initially structured my business was to solely just do like big engagements. So I would have to find like a big fish client to have a payday where I could do this kind of consulting and help them, uh, you know, figure out how to, how to make their business easier, how to make it uh, optimized so that they could move to the next level. And what I quickly realized is that stressed me out. So I had no revenue coming in because I'd be trying to find that client or trying to land that client. And that wasn't where I wanted to be in my stress to dollar ratio, as you said. So I didn't abandon that part of my business. I I still do that part. Uh, and I love it. But what I started doing was working with uh, retainer clients. So this to me was a way to sort of mimic a predictable income where I knew that I would have uh, retainer money coming in each month. And I would be able to really kind of scale the amount of clients I had within that because really it was just requiring me to meet with them and come to the table and tell them what to do, essentially. (laughs) Um, You know, we have access in between and we, you know, we can talk throughout, but really I don't have a lot of takeaway work in what I do. And I require a a six month contract. So therefore I can kind of plan 
my year essentially with what the revenue is coming in and also plan my capacity, which is a really big thing I help my retainer clients with. Um, so this is more of a coaching type engagement. And I just come, I show up, I'm there for them. I'm prepared. I understand, you know, what we're talking about. And we always leave with very actionable next steps and things to do. It will be hard to find a client that will tell you I don't give them homework or something to do when they leave with me, but it's not a lot on me. So that's how we create, uh, you know, this uh, ratio of you don't have to put a lot of effort in to have the profitable or sustainable income. And then that also opens up space for me to do other things on the side where it does require more of my actual work, which would be where I originally started my business with the engagements, um, the consulting engagements. So you said a couple of things in there that I think are really good takeaways. One is that you went from your consulting work to a retainer model. And I hear from a lot of people who do that consulting work that I know this is the same for you, where what you're actually doing on your consulting jobs can vary widely, right? Like what you're doing for one client, like ultimately, yes, you're working on operations, but like what you're doing specifically for this one versus this one over here can vary widely. And so what I hear from a ton of people is that they can't do a retainer because they are, I mean, there's a ton of reasons, right? They don't know how to package up their offer into a retainer that they can then repeat with multiple clients. They're afraid that if they do a retainer that um, they're going to have stuff out of scope all the time and they're going to end up working more and not making as much money because they have a retainer um, or they just feel like, oh, my clients only want customized packages. They don't want to have the retainer. It has to be custom. How did you do this? And then how do you talk about this with clients? Because I think, I mean, you know, I have a retainer, right? Like I have done this too. And it was like the key honestly, I think to me having more profit in my business because having that consistent monthly income as a baseline. So full disclosure, this part is really easy for me because my brain works in process. So I see everything the same. You tell me you have something custom and I'm like, no, <laughs> it's the same as what's happening over here. It's all the same process. So I think a lot of it is a mindset and like a um, kind of being afraid to feel like you're fitting clients into a group that might, you know, utilize an offer and versus doing all of the customization and feeling like you have to have something special for each client. That's, that's a mindset hurdle for people. Number one, um, which I did not have to overcome, but I do help my clients overcome that all the time uh, by showing them that people don't actually want a million and one choices. I always say they came to you to solve a problem. So stop giving them more questions to answer right? They, they need direction. They need a leader. They need uh, someone who can uh, definitively say like, here's how we do this. And I'm going to help you, you know, achieve your results. So that's a mindset shift that you need to make. Number one, um, number two is identifying different types of offers that you might have and understanding that not everybody's going to fit into that retainer model. It's a very specific type of client that I have that needs retainer services. And I'm sure the same is for you. Uh, and I'm not going to offer that to everybody. So I like to identify characteristics of potential clients that I am meeting with to understand what I'm going to offer them. 
they don't get to see all my offers. They don't need to see all my offers. Like I said, and like I keep saying to people, they're coming to you to solve a problem. Give them the solution that's going to work for them. Don't give them a selection. So I think some people have a fear of that, right? Where they have all of these things and they're not going to choose the retainer. Don't give them an option. If you know what it, you were the expert in what you're doing, that's why you have your business and you know what is best, go ahead and serve that up to them. Um, and then the third thing is it, boundaries, right? So I think you were talking about scope creep and people feeling like they're actually going to work more and customize things for people who are in a retainer model. I mean, just be really clear with your boundaries. I am very clear with my coaching clients that I want them to have the balance with their business and when they're spending their time in their business. And the very first thing we always start working on is their schedule and how much time they're spending after hours that they don't really want to be spending. Right. And I model that for them. So I don't respond to them after hours. I don't respond to them on weekends. I start after a while because like, Hey, you know, I'm not, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal to do it, but I model the behavior for them first so that I very clearly set those boundaries and they know if I'm on vacation or it's a weekend and they want to send me a message, that's cool. But no, I'm not going to get to it until the next working day. You make those things look really easy. <laughs> if you're enjoying my podcast, then you are going to love my exclusive weekly email series, Profit and Prosper Millionaire Mondays. As a business owner, you have limitless potential for the amount of cash flow you can create in your business, but your journey to building wealth might not feel all that straightforward. To convert your cash flow into real wealth, you need to do a bit of planning and strategizing so that you can be wealthy and be well, reaching financial independence and eventually retiring or relaxing early at your lake house, which is my plan. In my Millionaire Mondays email series, I share tactics and strategies for using your business to generate your first million dollars in net worth in the same approachable way that you get in the podcast. Sign up for my exclusive emails for free at profitandprosper.co forward slash millionaire. I think the mindset of like everyone is special is one that. I feel like it, it gets easier with time because the longer that I've been in business, the more that I see all of my CFO clients, which is my retainer service, all of my CFO clients, we really go through the same process and like how it's applied to their business may be a little bit different because this one might be an agency. This one might, you know, do home services, right? But like, ultimately the process is the same. And I recognize that because I'm the expert and I'm the one doing it. So I think to your point, like understanding you can certainly treat everyone like they're special, you know, because they are like, we're grateful for our clients, but also their problems are not unique. Like everybody ultimately has the same problem. And I think it's your job. It's my job as a CFO to say, this is what you need versus to your point, Danielle, like what they think they need, because a lot of times they're not the same. Right. Um, and then boundaries, like boundaries, honestly, are hard, especially I think when you're first starting out to like, because you want to please your clients. And for me, this has just come with practice because I also come from the corporate world where like we're expected to be on all the time. And like your boss is modeling that they're checking their email in the middle of the night and responding to emails at 2 a.m., right? 
I actually had um, a tax consult recently and they sent me a question, a follow-up question on Friday at like 3.45 PM. And I left for the day because I go work out and then I go pick up my son at daycare by like four or so. So I'm out by three most days. And they sent me the email at 345 and I saw it because I saw the notification on my phone, but I didn't respond obviously because I was off. And then on Sunday, I got a follow-up email. Hey, did you see my email? And I was like, okay, boundaries. And so like I responded, like I think old Sarah would have responded like immediately trying to please them, trying to get a signed proposal. I waited until Monday and I said, hey, my working hours are X. I don't check emails over the weekend. Like, please give me a couple of days to respond. Here's the answer to your question, right? And they didn't reply. Like it's been over a week and they've not replied. And I think that, yes, I think you have to learn to be okay with like, sometimes you do set boundaries and like people are gonna be pissed off about it because those people typically are the ones who maybe don't have boundaries, right? Or maybe they're just busy, but like, it's okay. I guess is my point. And the keyword you said in there is practice. That's what it is, right? It's building that muscle, building those habits. So it becomes second nature to you. Um, I do a lot of things that I'm uncomfortable with, but I keep doing them right to get better at it and to make it easier for myself. That's kind of my whole goal in life is just make things easier. I'm not sure why. Uh, (laughs) Maybe I'm trying to avoid things, but uh, you know, it's, uh, that's what I help my clients with too, right? So part of the reason why you might need someone like that helps you with coaching, right? Is because you're trying to fill a gap. And this is what I will tell you. Like the first thing I tell people to spend their money on is something that is essential to you. That is like such a a downfall that you have, like such a big gap. That's why I have you, right? Your thing is not my thing. And so I spend money on you because I know that that is going to be essential to my success. And so that's why people spend money on people like me when they don't have that practice at setting boundaries, understanding that everything doesn't need to be customized, um, being able to see how to package things and just really make your business operationally optimized because their brain doesn't work that way. Guess what? Mine does. My brain doesn't necessarily know all the information you do. Yours does. So it's it's finding someone who will help you practice that and then it becomes easy. So it is easy for me. And that's what I've built my business on. So find somebody who's already done what you need help with and just get their help. Yeah. I think recognizing when that is your like roadblock, right? When you have something that is like actively working against you, making more money and like bringing on more clients, making more sales, putting more money in your pocket, like you have to not be afraid to invest in that. So I guess like, you know, what are some of the things that you have identified that you feel like these are the areas where I have had to invest time or money in my business to get unstuck so that you can be in this place where you are now? Yeah, I don't know everything about sales or running a business. Um, I know how to make things streamlined and easier when you're in it, right? But I've hired business coaches. Uh, I've hired you. 
I've hired someone to uh, do website design and to optimize that. Uh, I'm sure I've hired a lot more people to do a lot more things, but those are some of the key things where it's, you have to identify what do you need at the time. And to be clear, I did not do all of these things from the jump, right? So I didn't spend all of my money to start my business and have a big fancy website and um, without even, you know, having any money coming in the door, hire a tax professional, right? So these are things that I've invested in little, a little along the way when I've needed them, but they're things that are not my forte. So if I need to understand how to, you know, sell better or sell uh, more uh, in line with what I need to be doing, right? I need to hire somebody to help me with that. If I need finance advice, I need to hire somebody to help me with that. What I will tell everyone is get as far as you can until you top out and then spend the money because you realize you've hit a plateau, you've hit a ceiling. And in order to get to the next level, you're going to have to invest. You're going to have to invest in your business. You're going to have to invest in yourself. And so I will do everything in my power to keep my clients from spending money on things. I do the same for my stuff. I don't pay for tools, right? I'm not paying for the pro version of everything. I'm paying for the base version of what I need to do to make my business work. And then I'm using free stuff to, you know, fill in everything else. And what I really find is that a great process can make all of that look professional to the outside as well. So I have the way to kind of layer all of that together, but you come to a point where you, you just have like a top out point. And if you want to go farther, you need to do something about it. So I would love to talk about this because I think that this mindset that you have helps to contribute to your very low stress to dollar ratio. Is it low or high, low stress, high dollar? My Anyways. expenses are low. My expenses are low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, again, I have seen financials of many, many businesses, and I hope this is okay to say, like, I don't know your numbers off the top of my head, but like, you don't spend a ton of money on stuff. So you are a solopreneur, like you don't have anybody on your team, at least not currently. And well, except for like the contractor type people that you hire, like me, for example, as your tax finance support person, but like thinking of like ongoing regular team members that you're talking to all the time, you don't have any. and it enables you, I think, to, because your overhead is low, it enables you to not feel so like stressed out, I guess, about like having to keep bringing in more and more and more sales. So there's a difference in being frugal and like being smart about what you spend your money on. And I think that's something that you do well. And so like, I don't know personally if you would classify yourself as more of like a frugal person, but I think identifying in your business, I feel like you do a good job of like towing that line between I can do this myself and then figuring out like when it's time to invest in something. So like, like, let's think about if you're thinking about what is the next like issue you're going to have in your business? Like, how do you know, like, okay, it's time for me to stop using the free version. It's time for me to stop figuring this out on my own. And it's time to get help there. Like, help me understand that. It's sort of a gut feeling. (laughs) And I hate to say that, but you'll know when you keep fighting against yourself, 
when it's keeping you, uh, sometimes it does cause you to have sort of a, a complex and then that's being projected out into the world. Uh, sometimes you've just done well and you you wanna spend that money, right? So for example, the, the way that I'm able to manage my expenses is I look at them in terms of monthly expenses and project expenses. I don't really do more than one project a year, meaning I don't do my website every year. I don't hire somebody and spend, you know, thousands of dollars every year for someone to redo my website. Um, I see that as a project and that's a one-time expense. My probably regular monthly expenses are for subscriptions and stuff are probably under hundred bucks a month, right? Which is, people are probably like, what? I'm like, yes, you can use the not pro version for everything. Trust me, you're not using everything in that tool. <laughs> uh, and then if you probably really like, line itemed into my expenses, Sarah, the biggest cost I bet you would find is client gifts and meals. Cause that's where I like to spend my money. Right. I like that is a value to me, um, that I have in my business is to provide an amazing client experience. And that's where I spend my money. So I sort of, uh, categorize my expenses that way. And when I feel like I've done all I can do in this particular area where I'm like, you know what? I need the pro version of this tool. I cannot move to the next level in my business or support people the way I want to without doing this. Then it's time to move to the next level. If you have accumulated enough, you know, uh, revenue or profit rather, as you would say, uh, where you have that to be able to plan a project that you're going to do in the next six months, plan where you're spending that project money as like a lump sum rather than, you know, investing in something monthly that's going to keep you tied to that every month. It's kind of a gut feeling of you've done all you can do where you are and you need to spend that money and then planning it in a way where it's like, okay, I can take on this monthly expense of getting the pro version, or I can plan this project to spend this lump sum on. And I, I know that that money is set aside for that. So it's interesting you say it's a gut feeling because I think that I think your mindset is pretty solid. And I think that that is where people think that they have a gut feeling of, oh, I need to go spend on this. But it's really, they have a scarcity mindset of like, oh, if I don't do this, then the clients aren't going to come anymore. Or like, for example, having to have like the perfectly professional website and logo and branding when you're just starting out in business, I think is generally you're wasting your money and time. Um, but I think a lot of people too have this mindset of like, they're afraid to do the hard things. So like stepping back and identifying, like, what do you really need? Like, what's your actual roadblock right now? And in many cases, it is sales and marketing and getting more leads, which is hard for a lot of people. Like it's hard to put yourself out there. And so I see people, myself included, having to constantly remind myself, I, my main problem, my main roadblock right now is just, I need to get more leads in the door to grow my business. Like we have capacity for more clients. And so is this, is what I'm spending my time on accomplishing that goal or not? Or am I distracting myself with something over here that feels easier to address than having to do the hard stuff that I don't naturally want to do? And so I think like you seem to not have 
some of the mindset issues that a lot of business owners have. And I don't know how, like, you know, (laughs) you just don't, which I think is amazing. I think there's like something to be learned from there. So um, here's what it is. Let me interrupt you for a second, because you're right. It is, it's a mindset thing. And people generally are, you know, messing around in the fancy versions of tools that feel like they're going to get them organized or feel like they're going to make great, you know, graphics or content or the website where to your point, that's not bringing money in the door. So I like to look at what are the, like, what are the needle movers? Mm -hmm. What are the things that are going to move you forward in your business? And the reason why I have that mindset is because I know that this isn't a great answer, but my brain works in terms of clearing out nonsense. So I say this to people all the time. I don't take notes. I really don't take notes when I'm in meetings. I didn't even do this when I was in corporate because I'm listening to the information I'm synthesizing and then I'm pulling out the salient points, the key things that I need to remember. And there's usually not more than two to three. Spoiler alert. So you can remember two to three things. So what you need to do is kind of take the time to reflect on what you're doing in your business. What are the things that are going to be the needle movers? Pull out those key things. And then just align your actions to those. If the pro tool that you're spending money on or the website, you know, glow up that you're spending money on isn't aligned to those needle movers, don't do it. I think a lot of people, at least starting in business and getting up into like mid to high six figures, like you're investing a lot in growing. You see the successful business owners, the ones who are like years ahead of you. And you think that their success is tied to all the fancy bells and whistles that they have, right? But it's really not. So what are the needle movers, do you think, for most business owners? Yeah, I think they're different at different levels, right? So I think when you're starting out, the needle movers are having very clear offers, a very clear process. And uh, being able to sell. So if you don't know what you're selling and how you're delivering it in a, like, I can tell you in five seconds flat way, and you also aren't bringing people in the door to be able to sell it to, like, those are the things you should spend your money on. Don't spend your money on a website because chances are people aren't just, you know, in your first six months of business, Googling and finding you you're talking to people, you're networking, right? Then when you start getting a little farther along, you're probably starting to think about how am I investing in hiring a team and people to take work off of my plate so that you can, going back to doing more of the selling because you need to keep bringing money in the door, right? To pay those people. So it's, it's you know, next level is kind of like team level and um, putting systems together. So you might think you need to start with the technology. You do not. I start everybody in a spreadsheet because the go to spreadsheet is like the best <laughs> process you can ever build, right? It's the best tool. Um, but you will get to a point where people do need to start communicating when you get a team and then you're moving on to systems and technologies. Um, and then past that, it's really, that's where you start to layer in like the, the fancier things in terms of, Do I need to be running targeted ads? Do I need to be buying, you know, some kind of space somewhere? Whatever it is, like the the bigger needle movers that are, and those, that's where you get customized, I think, because it depends on your business model. It depends on um, the product or service that you're selling and like what your industry is. 
And then it kind of just depends on what you're good at. Everybody is good at something different. So just because you're a successful business doesn't mean you're good at everything and your needle mover is going to be different from somebody else's. I think you're right. When you start a business, like getting from zero to like a hundred K a year in revenue is like a big lift, right? To go from zero to a hundred and the needle movers there are what you said, solid offers, streamlined offers that I would also add are priced well. Yes. Um, <laughs> having a repeatable process and a good client experience and being able to sell converting people. Right. Um, and then once you get up to that point, then I would say even past hundred, like probably up into like high six figures is when things start to really like vary pretty widely, because to get up into that level, you have to have all of those things already like pretty solidly nailed down. But I would almost say like, I have clients who do multiple seven figures in revenue. And I even think that they sometimes don't focus enough on what their money makers are. Actually, I have one that comes to mind. So I have like a VIP, my VIP day style offer, my cash flow intensive. Um, I had one recently where they're doing, you know, six to six fifty in revenue, have capacity to do up to a million. It's like a physical store. And they had gotten to the point where like they had just, if you looked at their menu of offers, it was just like all over the place, like so many different offers. And when we actually looked at the numbers of what are people buying, like what's profitable for you, we were cut out half of them because they're like, you get to a place where you're like, oh, I could do this. I could do this. Like I have a person asking me for this extra add-on. Let me add this to the menu just so people know that it's available to them. But like, ultimately you have to stay focused. I think even beyond that. So I think it's good advice no matter where you are. I love to call that the pocket offer because people try and do that all the time, right? They're trying to please everybody. It's kind of like when just new level, new devil, right? So you are moving up to the next level. You have this much in revenue, but you're still, maybe it's like new level, same devil almost, right? <laughs> it's, it is. You're kind of, you have to reset each time you move up. And check yourself and make sure you're not kind of falling back into old habits. It I say like 99% of people are going to buy what you got, right? And then the other 1% either don't need to buy from you or you can make an exception. And that's called a pocket offer. And that's something you don't advertise because you don't want everybody trying to get into that pocket offer because that is just going to, you know, throw everything out of whack. Yes. No, I think that's a good point. And I mean, I certainly have things that I don't have advertised on my site that we do occasionally, but it has to be like a really good reason for me to do something that's not advertised. You know, I feel like there's so many business owners from just starting out, even up to like getting to a million dollars where if they stop working if they take a week off, if they're not there constantly like turning the wheel, they stop making money, right? To me, I don't think that's a business. I think that's being self-employed, right? If your money is conditional on your time and energy. Um, and so tell me, I think this goes back to kind of what you said before, where you have designed your offers so that you're providing stuff that's more in the moment and doesn't require a ton of like necessarily homework on your part which may or may not be something that a lot of people can implement. Like, you know, I have a bookkeeping team, like they have to go do the work, but what would you say to somebody who 
is trying to get out of that cycle of if I stop working, the money stops coming in. Yeah, you're doing too much work. So you are putting yourself in the role of kind of an employee of the business versus owning the business. You're putting yourself back in the shoes that you were if you were working at somebody else's company. Uh, You need to be designing your process so that you can remove yourself from that, empower your clients to be you know, doing whatever they need to be do for their part of the process. So a really great example um, that I helped someone with who was having this exact problems in the fitness industry, personal trainer, you get hurt, you get sick, you go on vacation, you're not training anybody, you don't get paid, right? So how can we design a program for you that allows you to coach clients and gives them information and gives them things to do on off days and get where they don't have to physically be with you to have that work happening so that you can do that. Or if you do get sick, you don't have to be with them in person. It's definitely specialized to whatever your business is. And if you have a brick and mortar, that's even uh, hairier and something you would really have to, you know, (laughs) get into. But if you're providing services, there's a really easy way to do it. And basically, I just need to know what your service is and what you're doing today, and we can figure it out. (laughs) But ultimately, it is taking the work away from you and stop acting as the person who has to be doing everything and putting that in, in the hands of your clients. I think the definition of like having a business versus being self employed is having a process right? That is repeatable that you can put another body into the performing steps one, two, three, and then the money is generated, right? Like I know in my business, if I do these sales and marketing activities and I do this onboarding process and my team executes on these tasks to do our month in stuff and reporting, like I have a business versus to your point, like the personal trainer, I think was a really good example of having to like structuring your offer so that you have to physically be there all the time. And you can either in this case, like a personal trainer, I'm imagining you can do a program that they don't, they can sort of scale, or you can train other people in your personal training process, which is a totally different business model, Mm -hmm. right? But there's ways to do it, but those are ways to have a business and not be self-employed. And I think I just see so many people who get stuck in this like self-employed trap. And I'm also glad you said, because I hadn't thought about this, but like there's, I think in many cases stuck in that employee mindset, right? Because we all spend, most of us anyway, spend so much time working for other people. Like it's hard to get into a business owner mindset. Yeah, you don't, I hear a lot of people say they don't feel like they are providing the value to their clients unless they're doing the work. Yes. That's just not true. No, that's really good. That's so good. I used to feel like this a lot too. And then I started delegating um, bookkeeping to my team. And then I started delegating the review and the reporting to my team. And my next step is to delegate the tax prep to my team. And then at that point, all I'll have left on my task list is like sales and marketing and one-on-one client meetings, (laughs) which is going to be insane thinking about where I was a year ago. So it is possible. I think it just, it does require a mindset shift. It's not, you know, necessarily tying the 
value to you personally, but it's like, what is the process that I'm doing and distilling that down into something that is super simple. Other people can execute on that. So that's what I always ask clients to think about when we're trying to, uh, make their process and make their offers very clear to lead people into that process. Cause I think the offer is the entry point to the process. That's how I view it is what do you do and what do they get? So it's the, what do they get is the important part because those are more the, the outcomes, the promises, the deliverables of your service that you're providing. And so if you're very clear on those, then you just say how it's going to be done. So the expectations are set. And you can feel free to pull yourself out because you've already set those expectations, those boundaries, and you clearly are providing the value that you promised you would. Yes. I actually stole that from you because back in the day, I mean, this was what, October, 2020, November, like when we first met, I remember you had that in your contract or something. It was like what we do and what you get. And I was like, oh, I'm stealing that. It's so just it's, very clear and it yeah. helps everybody just stay grounded in what the engagement is. I guess, is there anything else, like any other, like really good bits of advice that we have not touched on that you would leave us with? I think we've touched on a lot. Uh, I just want to recap that I feel you should be watching the money that is going out the door just as much as you're watching the money that is coming in. So yes, let me, let me go dive into that point. Watch the money that is coming in because <laughs> you're like, yes, please. Uh, I know a lot of people who do not, they're not tracking what they have under contract. They're not tracking what money they have sent out in proposals. To me, that's like money on the table. I'll look at somebody. I'm like, you have $10,000 worth of proposals, money sitting out there. That is going to help you build a process to how am I shepherding people into, you know, to working with me um, and make sure that you're always aligning that with your capacity. So you, yes, you could be selling more. Yes, you could be bringing in more money, but do you have the capacity to then serve everybody when you do that? So that's why I love to have people look at their money, but also look at it from a capacity standpoint. Um, and that's where you know you need to increase your prices when you can't take on any more clients. Yes. <laughs> um, and your capacity is going to be different than my capacity because we have different thresholds. Like, you know, I love to work part time. <laughs> And so, um, you know, I have more capacity, but do I want to fill that capacity is what I ask people, right? Uh, and then look at your expenses and understand how much more capacity and therefore money opportunity you could free up if you invested in something. So that's how I like to tie in the money aspect to how I work with people is capacity and opportunity. I'm actually, I'm glad you said that because one, I mean, you know, I see all the time people don't like when I look at a PL, most of the time, 95% of the time, here's what I see 8,000 expense accounts, right? And one line for sales, one line sales. And I'm like, what? This is, this is backwards, right? I want to know way more detail on what you're selling, when you're selling it, what offers are working 
you know, thinking about like, where's the bulk? What are your money makers, right? This one that I was talking about in the intensive, actually, I think the podcast episode that'll come out after this one is a case study of this because it was so, I don't know, it was just so good. Like, how do you know, like what you're making money on and what people aren't buying? So you don't spend any time or energy on that, right? That's what I ask people to do is that we chunk what we're looking at into their offers and then out months, like at least 12 months. So you can see if you sold this, here's where the money's coming in. It was this offer. Here's what it was priced at. And how much time is that taking up for you? Yeah. Band out across months. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you, you would be shocked. I think at how many, I mean, maybe you're not shocked because I know you see it too. How many people don't do that? Right. And how I think simple it is. So I have a Google sheet. Um, my, sort of like forecast file I use, I have a Google sheet and I have a tab in there that's like sales tracker. And so like I'm tracking because I have retainer clients, like their monthly fee by client out into the future. So I know like what's under contract. And then if I think they're going to renew, like I'll project that out too, just to see my capacity. So actually, I think this is interesting. So we talked about this, I think it was last week, right? Where I stopped offering my sort of lower tier, my, I'll call it like my entry level CFO service. Like I call it CFO light because I'm terrible at naming. Like if somebody has a better name for that, let me know. But like my sort of lower tier CFO service, because I was looking at it and like, I just don't have capacity to bring on a ton more of these. But then what I challenge myself to do and I, I'm sure that if I had talked to you months ago, you would have told me this, but I didn't. So what I challenged myself to do was think through like, not how can I raise my price in this case, because I felt like the price for it was fair, but how can I change my capacity? And so what I opted to do was for our like CFO light, instead of dedicating a monthly one-on-one with every client, which I find at that level, we don't always need anyways, just because of they tend to be a little bit more simple. So I said, instead of a monthly one-on-one, we're going to schedule a quarterly one-on-one. And then I have office hours where if you need to book a call with me, you schedule office hours, right? And in that way, I was literally able to like quadruple the capacity that I have because for me, it's just, I have to have a meeting with them once a quarter, right? And then my team handles the rest and my team has capacity to do that work. And so I think it's like, thinking outside the box there sometimes is going to help you figure out like, how do I maximize my capacity? Right. That's a great example of, I tell people to look at their business model. So assessing your business model and figuring out how can you shift it to move you to the next level? And that's what you did. And I think when I say that a lot of people feel like they're going to have to completely throw their business out the door and start over. That's not what I mean. What I mean is exactly what you just did, which is how do I assess the way that I am creating capacity and therefore money for myself and my business uh, and utilize what I have instead of, you know, killing myself or raising prices on people where they don't really be paying that price. How can we just think differently? I was literally thinking like, I only have space for three or four more clients, right? And at that point, like once I bring those on, I'm either going to have to start a wait list or I'm going to have to hire another CFO, which would be crazy expensive or, you know, come up with some other way to keep growing my business. And you topped out there. 
right, exactly. But instead I was like, okay, I'm able to, like, I was literally able to map out, like, if I have this number of clients in each of these buckets, like this fits within my capacity. If I hire a tax person, which I will have a job description posted in the next couple of weeks, I promise you, I'm committing to it on the podcast. Anyways, I was able to map out, like, here's how I can generate a million dollars in revenue based on the offers I have with the team that I have without having to hire a really expensive CFO. And I was like shook after I did this. It's funny that you say that because I'm going to go back to what I was saying in terms of having people map out their offers and how that's going through the months. The the whole spreadsheet view is your forecast. And so, and I do this for myself. I do everything for myself that I ask my clients to do is I have the number of offers that I can take to meet the revenue goal that I want. And I map out the entire year or the entire rolling 12 or whatever it is, right? So it's looking at it from that view instead of what is coming to me, how am I managing and creating this? And it all comes back to, I think, a process, right? I went from forecasting like 600,000 in revenue to a million by shifting my capacity with this one offer and adding a lower cost, like part-time team member to my projections for the year. And I think it comes down to having a process where I'm not the one responsible for delivering this. And I was able to think through, instead of me having these monthly meetings, we're going to leverage my team members who can also be there to support clients in between. Like it doesn't all have to fall on me as long as we have a solid process. And my team knows like, these are the deliverables. These are the goals. This is what we're doing. Like, this is how we execute, right? Okay. And if you don't have a team and people are listening and thinking, I feel like I'm in that position. You might need to think, is it time to hire a team member? What is the team member that is going to be the filler there that will make this plan happen and execute in the way you want it to be? Because it's not just a virtual assistant all the time, people, right? Oh my God. <laughs> the first thing people always want to hire. I'm like, that's that not always mine. the person. And then you can put in that expense and redo your whole, you know, the whole plan, the whole forecast to figure out how you can hire that person. So yes. again, what are the needle movers? How, what's taking you to the next level? Yep. Okay. I think we've talked about a lot of good points and sometimes these things are not the sexy things that a lot of people talk about back on Instagram land, right? It's not like, you know, start a group program and scale and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you have to really focus on what is the needle mover. And it's probably the more boring. It's probably you know, maybe not as fun. It's probably sometimes the hard stuff that you have to really dig into, but there's a way through. So, but these right, are the things know. that are what going to let you sleep at night, spend time with your family, take the vacations, feel stable and feel like you have a business that you actually are managing. Yes. Yeah. Like me now I'm exercising. I'm leaving my office by like three most days, which is insane. Like I'm not working as many hours and my business is bigger than it ever has been. And it is possible with a good process. So I'm going to ask you my last question. I ask everybody. And that is, <laughs> she has not prepped me for this. So I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> um, so I like to ask people this question um, because when we think about like money, a lot of people feel guilty over spending money on like quote unquote frivolous things. But I always love to ask this because like, this is ultimately the point. So when you think about something your business will enable you to upgrade in your life, 
right? Like my example is I want my lake house. Everybody hears about this probably every podcast episode. Like that's my lifestyle upgrade that my business will afford me to do. What is something you want to upgrade in your life? Well, as you know, you? I, I also want a lake house next to yours. So no, but that's true. Like I, I want to buy land though and build. That is something, but in general, I love sunglasses. <laughs> I would buy a ton of sunglasses. I have a lot already. Um, no, I think just being able to have the freedom to do what I want and not worry about it and say, oh, we we want to go on this vacation and not have to budget for it. Or we want to um, you know, do this work on our house and not have to plan when that's going to happen because of money, but plan when it's going to happen just to fit into our lives. So for me, that's the biggest thing that my business is giving me is how can I have this freedom to just do what I want when I want? And that changes depending upon, you know, right now, I just want to paint the inside of my house and get the applesauce from my four-year-old off my walls. (laughs) And everybody's different. But to me, it it, uh, represents a freedom to say, I am planning what I need to do that is going to be best for me and my family in my life and um, provide us the life that we want and not have to have that dependent on budgeting for money and necessities. Yes. Your business allows you to do that now. And when you're 65 or whenever you want to retire, right? Like it doesn't have to be this thing where we're waiting and we're killing ourselves in the meantime, you're able to do that now, which I think is amazing. So Well, this was good. Tell us how we can find you, how people, if they're like, I need a Danielle in my life, how do I get one? (laughs) Where do we go? Started my website. It's jeffersonjamesconsulting.com. And you can find me on Instagram, Danielle underscore Jefferson James. I'm on all the socials, uh, but most active on there. And uh, you can just book a call to talk just straight from my website or from my Instagram. And generally, I am just looking to help businesses get to that next level. I don't want anything to be a roadblock for you. I don't want you to be cobbling things together and get to a point where it you feel like there's too much to untangle for you to hit your next level or do something bigger in your business that was ultimately your dream. I want to remove those for you and help you just live the life you want. Awesome. Well, this was so good. I so appreciate having you and I hope that everybody walks away with something actionable that you can go do in your business to lower your stress to dollar ratio. So I will see you all next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Now I want you to go take some action. What's one thing you can do this week to create more profit in your business? Send me a DM on Instagram at youngcocfo and share your action item with me. If you have a question or topic you'd like me to dive into, or if you're feeling empowered about taking charge of your finances, let's continue the conversation. Go to profitandprosper.co to submit a question or topic for me to talk about on the show. And because we all profit and prosper better with friends, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Subscribe wherever you listen and share the episode. Make sure you tag me at CFO on Instagram so I can give you some love and I'll see you in the next episode.